Amen. Just to say the Lord has a baby, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And you know, we want to worship and encourage one another. power to come, that we will hear a word from you. Mighty God, we ask you to bless us through the preaching and the teaching of your word. Through the Lord, let it be all of you, and Lord, none of this service, Lord, I must decrease so you can increase. And Father, I pray that we might see Jesus and have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Lord, thank you for those who are able to join us remotely, those who are here presently. Those who are going to check in later. Lord, we just thank you for what you're about to do uh, through the preaching and the teaching of your word. 
And we thank you, Lord, in this season of Lent as we look forward to celebration of remembering the resurrection and the victory of the precious Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we continue to continue on in this Lent season uh, to look towards the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, we want to take this time and continue to talk about resurrection. Uh, we've been talking about some physical resurrection the past few times, seeing those who were dead being brought back to life. Right, Cena, how a, a man was buried and thrown on somebody's bones and he jumped back to life. We saw a, a, a funeral procession turn to be a celebration of life just because of Jesus' presence. But now we're going to try to talk about a spiritual resurrection. Talking about how that we are in need of revival in our lives. We celebrate the resurrection of Christ because of his victory over death. Because it is our victory. But also when Christians use the word resurrection, it is used to divide more than just death being returned to life. Resurrection speaks to becoming alive from a physical death and or a spiritual death. Resurrection also highlights the totality of our victory in Christ that we are known through theology of the eschatology. Now, I apologize for using such big vocabulary, but basically in the end times, we're going to celebrate when the dead will rise and we will be changed and will be called up to be with him. And the church says. And so when we talk about resurrection, that is not just a simplistic definition, but yet it is a metonym that it. Metaname that also means one of the whole things to be in there. And so here it is that when we talk about resurrection, not only are we talking about the physical death and coming back to life, but the spiritual death of coming back to life, but also totality victory of Jesus Christ dying, rising from the grave on the third day, and then his, ex, ex, his, his exaltation. Also, we mention oftentimes his exaltation. We don't talk about it, but we mention it all the time, and that is included in his resurrection because he cannot exalt, he cannot ascend unless he was resurrected. And so we want to talk about when we look in this text today, Luke 15 chapter, about how we too have been resurrected when we repent and turn back to God. Oftentimes we limit resurrection, right, just to the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, but also resurrection is implied here in this text of Luke 15 chapter of being dead, of being lost and being found and being alive. So therefore, when we celebrate the resurrection, it means so much more for followers of Christ. We know that we're sinners in need of God's grace and saved from our spiritual death and have been brought to life in spiritual relation with God through our faith in God the Son. And so let us look at our text today, Luke, uh, the 15th chapter, verses 11 to 32 uh, in a totality. But on, for our reading, I'm just going to read. Towards the end of this parable, when the father is speaking to the elder son, starting at verse 31. Y'all with me there? Yes, sir. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is 
found. Praise God for his word. You may be seated. See, the son of God steps into time, clothed in flesh, to show us the way to God the Father. Jesus came for the forgiveness of sins. John, Gospel of John, first chapter, verse 29 says that, that the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The response to Jesus is to confess our sins and believe in him to be the Son of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so that we can be restored back in a right relationship with God because we were spiritually dead, but through Christ we become spiritually alive. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus tells us in John three sixteen and verse 17 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not what perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. See, I want to encourage us to know that God desires for us to repent and enjoy right fellowship with him and know eternal life in him through Jesus. And Jesus teaching this last parable in in these lost parables found in the 15th chapter of Luke. He addresses uh, three times things being lost or people being lost. And yet we find how in the last one, he kind of capitalizes saying he was dead and now alive. He was lost and now found. The first ones only dealt with something being lost and being recovered and being found. But this one spoke of one being dead and now being back to life. You had the lost coin. You had the lost sheep. Now we have the lost son. This text is also more more uh, remembered by being called the prodigal son. But I want to highlight if you look at this text closely, there's two sons that are lost. Verse 11 says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Notice how this man comes to his father and tell him what he wants. Uh, I want what I did not work for. I want uh, what I don't deserve, and I want it now. Uh, not when you want to give it to me. I want it now. That's why we get the term the prodigal son because he goes and lives prodigiously and wastefully and lavishly and loses everything that he has. The term prodigal is just wasteful, extravagant living. And this son lived just like that. But yet, remember, the text tells us there's two sons. The elder son now helps us to understand the context of this parable. Jesus is teaching to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they are criticizing how he welcomes sinners. And the elder sons is kind of equated to the elders of society, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who see themselves right, uh, but yet are are rejecting the Son of God. Y'all see that there? 
Because by rejecting the Son of God, they are also rejecting the Father. Mm. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. And I want to highlight these characters in this story uh, that we want to see Jesus bringing out. Uh, the Father, the elder son, and the younger son. Um, whom all, we all know the younger son very well, but let us not overlook the other key characters in this text. The Father, the Son, and the younger son. We're going to look to see how they remind us of ourselves and how we too need to get right with God. And so when we look at this text, we see that Jesus is looking for sinners to turn to God, the Father. This can be seen when we look at the audience again of this parable found in the first two verses of the 15th chapter. It tells us that now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus has come to receive us back to him. That's why he's willing to fellowship with us. Amen. Aren't you glad that when you're not worthy, he still gives you an invitation to come to the table? Notice the Pharisees and scribes were upset that Jesus was eating with them. They'd be happy for him to come to their house, but don't go with those who they look down upon. But I'm so glad God looks down to lift us up. The tension mentioned by Luke shows us how Jesus is willing to get dirty, willing to get down, willing to humble himself in order to receive us back to him. Jesus looks to address this issue, which leads him to tell these three parables in the 15th chapter as Luke records. Jesus teaches us in these parables the love of the Father and receiving those who come repenting to him. Mm. So remember that God's choice has already been made. Let me help you out. God has already made up his mind to receive you. But have you made up your mind to receive him? Mm-hmm. That means in order to receive him, I must prepare myself to receive what he has. Many of us understand how to prepare yourself for something. If you're going to have a, a procedure at the doctor's office, sometimes they may tell you you need to fast. Sometimes they may tell you to drink a certain mixture in order to prepare yourself. They tell you what time to come. They tell you what you should wear, what you should not wear. They let you know how you need to prepare yourself in order for you to get better. And they go check you with you and say, if you didn't do it, then you got to come back another time. And so the choice is yours. They've already prepared to make you better. But have you said, I will do what I need to do in order to get right? Here it is that God is letting us know that I love you, I care for you, I want you to repent and come back to me. But will you choose to repent? Mm. So three lessons we're going to try to highlight in this text. Acknowledge your sin, issues and your issues and, tri- and tribulations that can lead you astray, that can lead you down the wrong way, that can lead you away from God. I want you to learn, understand what it looks like to repent with humility. Because somebody say humility? A lot of people like to acknowledge they do something wrong, but they don't want to be humble about it. I'm only sorry because I got caught. I'm not going to be humble. I'm not going to be gracious about it. I'll acknowledge what needs to be done so I can get my job back or I can get my status back. But I'm not willing to change my behavior. Accept God's forgiveness and mercy in your life and rejoice is the third lesson. This younger son his sin issue is very obvious to me when I look at this text. And you might see something else, uh, but oftentimes when I highlight something, sometimes we see 
what we're dealing with in ourselves. And so I'm going to tell on myself. You have to tell on yourself. But you can blink at me. I see. I see. And so when we see here in this text, he says he asked his father for his share, but his share was not even due. He's only entitled to one third of his father's wealth. And that only happens once the father passes away. However, the benevolent, loving father decides to divide up his wealth and give two thirds to his eldest son. So basically, his eldest son has already access to everything that's on there. His eldest son already has access, already has access. I want you to think about that for a moment. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. But the youngest one decides, I'm going to take what's mine and be gone. Now, I said this youngest son's issue is pride. I can see that there in the text. Pride oftentimes blinds us to think that we're better than we really are. Sometimes pride has us some haterade that I want what you got. And so therefore, I'm going to do what I can to get what you got because I think I can do better with what you got. And so when I look at this text, as we know, the saying says how, how the fall comes following pride. We're going to see his pride coming first and we, we will see the fall. Now, when he because the text says now when he has spent everything. Notice, notice how he spent everything. That something else came. Hmm. It says a famine came mm. when he had the resources to retain and save. The famine didn't come when he when he was flushed with all the money he needed. The famine didn't come. But by the time he ran out of everything that he had, that he thought he knew what to do with. Now troubles come. Now trials and tribulations come. Let me help somebody out here. You think you're doing well because you're not facing troubles. You're not facing some problems. But wait till you find out that you are depending on yourself. More than you were dependent on God. And you're going to find out that you were not as strong. You were not as capable. You're not as good as you think you are. So the famine came. His pride now has been swallowed. You notice how his sin hurt him. And he was not realizing how much he was hurting him. The fall comes and it comes hard. Notice how when you do fall, and you don't expect to fall. That's a harder fall when you plan to fall. And there'll be somebody else that in self-defense, one of the first things they're going to teach you in Karate and Judah is how to fall. Because it's understandable that you're not going to be invincible. Somebody will get you and you will fall. But if you know how to fall, you won't hurt yourself. And so they take times of them doing somersaults, falling on their back and spreading their arms out so that they can brace themselves for the fall. Because you don't want to fall this way, you'll break your wrist. You don't want to fall this way, you'll break your wrist. But if you fall like this or spread out, your back is a little bit more durable and able to endure some of that shock. And, and you keep your head up and put your chin, your head on your chin so that you don't get whiplash and give yourself a concussion. When you learn how to fall, notice how if you ever watch some wrestling, some professional wrestlers. They learn how to fall. You see them get slammed. Notice how their heads are always up. They're not trying to hit that mat and get a concussion. They know how to fall. But when you don't know how to fall, you fall hard. That's when you get those scrapes and those bruises and you're slower to get it. But those who plan to fall knows how quickly they get back up. Because they know I, I was going to fall. I prepared myself. I braced myself for the fall. But a famine came and he did not brace himself for the fall. His money ran out. Everything that he had is gone. And notice the text tells he began to starve. And it says that he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man seemed to feel to feed the pigs. 
Now, notice in this text, look at verses 14 and 15. Notice in this text here that uh, the audience that Jesus is speaking to are Jews. They should not have anything to do with pigs. This man now has has now really has crossed the line and says, I'm so desperate. I will do anything in order to get some food in my stomach. He is so low. He's now doing things he might have never thought he would have done. The young man became so hungry that even the pots that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Isn't that something? He's all by himself because he chooses to live by himself. This Jewish man is looking to eat what is forbidden. He's touching what he should not touch because he has what he wished he had. It's amazing when pride and ego gets in the way and leads to sin. One can stop. If one can just stop digging that hole, they're digging. They might find it a little bit easier to get out. But one thing, if you keep on digging, the hole's going to get deeper. It's going to be harder for you to climb out. But yet, I want to encourage us that even though you may be digging a hole and you may be falling deep, I want to encourage you that yet there is another direction. You can look up to your heavenly father and know that God is still looking after you. You can look up to the hills from which cometh your help and know all my help comes from the Lord. You can understand that no, I may have been going in the wrong direction. So therefore, let me go in the other direction. Have somebody out, right? Have, have you been there before when you went down the wrong road and you realize if I just go the other direction, I'll be heading in the right direction. So you can see here now the man has reached his limit. He has fallen down as low as he could go. But yet he understood that something can change in his situation. When you know that you can change, will you make the change? See, he knew that he needed to change. Let me help you out again. Remember, the doctor tells you you need to do this procedure, save your life. Are you willing to make the change? I, I know that when it comes to giving up some of the stuff that might be a vice in your life, the doctor says you might want to let that go. You'd be like, no, nah, I like that too much. And you know you like it because you go back home, all the stuff he tells you to get rid of is all the stuff you had. Now you realize I got to change my lifestyle. I got to change my choices. I got to change. Y'all don't hear me. See, it's not just that I would just stop one time and be done. No, I got to change everything in order to get myself right. The second lesson teaches us this in this text, how we ought to repent and come with humility. I like how verse 17 says when he comes to his senses, he had an epiphany. He realized that everything that I need is in my father's house. I had him go come and go with me to my father's house. But yet when we sing in that song, we're speaking of the end times, right? Where we'll have peace and joy. And but yet even presently in the presence of God, we can have peace. We can have joy. At home, even the highest servants, the text says, have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. Look what verse 18 says. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you and both heaven and you. 
and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I want to take some exegetical liberties here, right here in this text, right here, part right here. When he says that I'm no longer worthy to be called your son and take me on as a hired servant. Uh, I want to point out that the parable is not teaching this, but yet I can see this, that Jesus, the son of God, came as a servant. Here comes the son who messed up. Say, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm coming as a servant. But the son of God humbled himself on his own, did nothing wrong, and came as a servant. I, I just got excited looking at that. I could see that in this text. But the parable's pointing out here, not just about Jesus, but about our us, how sometimes we want what's ours or what we used to have, but we're not willing to accept what we deserve. See, what this text is telling us that the son realized that I've lost my status. I gave it all up when I left your house. I thought I was grown. I thought I knew how to live, but I found out that I'm no good by myself. I, I got some growing up to do. I need some people to teach me and help me how to be fiscally responsible, how to make better decisions, to have a better life choices. And I realized that I don't, I don't know how to provide for myself, but yet, Father, you provide for your servants so much so they got food to spare. But I was out there living on my own. I didn't have anything to spare. He realized in his sin that he lost everything that he had. And he was trying, how can I get back to my father? Notice how he understood that he sinned against his father. The Bible tells him he knew the text, right, how to honor my mother and my father. But he was dishonorable to them when he walked out on them. He realized it's better at his father's house than trying to live on his own. He realized he had sinned against his father and dishonored God and not honoring his father and his mother. And now he accepts the shame of his sin and is willing to humble, humbly come back and serve his father. Y'all catch that part? He wants to come back and serve his father. When we mess up, we need to come back and serve God the Father. We, 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 God does not serve us. Mm, mm, mm. We serve him. And, and so, you know, our English vocabulary kind of helps, helps us to misunderstand what service means. And the, 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 you look in the Bible, in the biblical text, when they say worship, that is also equating to serving. To worship God is to serve him. And so that's when we get our words of deacons is to serve. And we're all called to serve, but though we may determine to a title that sometimes we forget what it means. I'm called to serve. You are called to serve. We are all called to serve. Isn't that what, what Jesus came to do? And so he says the greatest is the least, and the least of these is a servant of all. Well, who served everybody? Thank you, Jesus. So we understand that if I'm going to come back to him, let me not come back and say what you're going to do for me, but what am I going to do for you? And now we spend a lot of quality time on on the, the youngest son, the one that was lost, the one that ran away, but now he comes back. But one thing I want to point out that's been consistently here the whole time is the love of the father. Mm-hmm. He realized that in my father's house, it is better than out here. Sometimes we're not willing to accept what the father has for us. 
But are you willing to accept God's forgiveness and his mercy? Because if you are willing to accept it, then you'll be able to rejoice. Notice that the son returns with humility. He returns with shame. He returns with basically barely anything on his back and no shoes on his feet. The son repents for his sin. He's, and I can see him in my mind's eye practicing, rehearsing how he's going to come back to the father. Uh, Father, I'm no longer to be your son. I'll be your servant. The Father, I'm no longer to be your son. I'm your servant. Father, I messed up. I sinned against you. Oh, Father, Father, I did this. I did that. I did that. But the text tells his father ran out. Now, to us, though, it may not mean something because we see it all the time when families are reunited and we see them running and, and climbing one another. But in the time of it was undignified for a man of status, a man of stature to run anywhere. We, we, we have got this concept that it's okay to run now. We see the running in the fields. Oh, they're coming back together. But here, the man of dignity is basically like, I don't run to you. You run to me. But the father's love compelled him to move in such a direction that I want to hug, kiss, and embrace what has been broken, what has been lost, and restore back in right relation. One thing that stayed consistent is the love the father had for the son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast for this son of mine was what? Dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Now, once the son accepted what the father has given him, he was able to rejoice. Now, here's the thing I want to point out here. It did not change that he messed up. It did not change that he was wrong. It did not change. That is all true. But that's not the matter of subject right now. Sometimes people want to point out what you did wrong and won't let you move forward. But I want you to understand that God's love is a powerful enough to overcome the multitude of sin. That even though you messed up, God can show enough, show up and love you and pick you up and put you back. Notice what happens to the son. The, the, the psalm says he turned my mourning into my gladness. See, that he took my rags and clothed me with gladness. Here it is. The son is coming in mourning. He's coming and repenting. He's coming for God says we're going to celebrate. Look what the text says. The father says, give him a good robe. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. I want to highlight something about his condition. We, we recite it all the time, but sometimes we don't understand what we're saying, saying that, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And notice when it says not nakedness. Now, when it's saying naked, it means those who are impoverished, those who are poor have no clothes, let alone will they have any sandals. And those who did not have sandals were slaves because they let them know that, oh, you're a slave. You don't have any, any covering on your feet. And so it's a point of your status and your stature. But here it is that the, the father says to the son, I'm going to raise you up. You're coming at this level, but I'm going to take you to another level. You, you, you're coming to me with humility, but yet I'm going to clothe you with a robe. I'm going to put a ring on you, give you a sense of status and stature. And matter of fact, I want everybody to know that you're not working here as a servant. Put some sandals on his feet. Here's the other thing. The sad, the dad, I can see the dad looking at us and say, boy, you look, he lost a lot of weight. He must not have been eating. Kill the fatty cat. <laughs> we're going to eat today, but we're going we're gonna to beef you up, so we're going to nurse you back. 
to hell. And the party began. But notice that uh, the older son, uh, being a good son, uh, he's doing his work. Uh, but he's finding out that, hey, uh, uh, what's going on over there at the house? Somebody come by and tell him, well, you know, you, you know your brother. Uh, he back. You go, you go, you go, you go wonder some kind of splits he said, right? Mm-hmm. Say that boy is back. And now everybody's partying, but the oldest son. The father comes out. And there's some, one thing that stays consistent is the father's love for his sons. Father goes out. Because the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years. I slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. In all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. The older brother could not celebrate with the younger brother with his father. The older son saw the younger son as a failure, as a disappointment, and yet now he viewed himself better than the younger one. He viewed himself more righteous because he has been doing what has been right. But yet he is not righteous because he's not honoring his father. The father asked him to come in. He said, no. His father said to him, look, dear son, y'all with me, verses 25. Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is your. Remember I said once the father divided up the wealth, the oldest son has now everything in his possession. But yet he was not walking in the purpose and the power that he had. He could have access to everything. That fatty calf was his. All he had to do was ask. The father has already given it to him. But yet he has not accepted it because in spite he hated his brother. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. See? The story talks about resurrection. Uh, It's talking about a spiritual death. Notice the son was never buried. Notice the son was never injured physically, but yet spiritually he was disconnected. Uh, He disobeyed, he dishonored, and he did not live righteously when he left from the presence of his father's house. But through it all, the father was willing to accept him, but the older son was not willing to accept him. Let me help us out in looking in this text. Let us be careful that we don't become the elder son. That we become too righteous. That we become too prideful. That we don't let people come back once they messed up. Once they have did some erroneous things. That we don't hold them accountable for that. But yet we will receive them with the same grace and the mercy that we want to receive from God our Father. But also let us learn from the younger son that even when we do mess up. Will we repent? Will we humble ourselves and come and be willing to accept whatever God the Father gives us? And may we learn from this text about the faithfulness of the Father, that he loves them both. And he wants them both in his presence. And he wants them both to celebrate in his presence. He wants them both to enjoy everything that he has given them. Y'all see that there in the text? He wants everybody to enjoy everything he's given. So what has God given you? The Bible tells us that he gave us the earth. 
that we might have dominion over, but are we good stewards on what he's given us? And then when we look at a more, that's a macro, but then we look at the micro, am am I faithful to my wife? Am I faithful to my husband? Am I a good parent? Am I a good brother? Am I a good sister? Am I doing things that bring honor unto God? Because the Bible tells us how we ought to honor our mother and our father. Do unto others to have them do unto you. Am I doing that? Then if I'm not, then can I repent and humble myself and be willing to take whatever comes my way, knowing that I am responsible for my sin? But yet here's the beautiful thing that even though the eldest son does never come into the house, the party is still going on. Why is the party still going on? Because God desires for those who repent to be restored back to him. The earlier text talked about the lost sheep, how he went and carried the sheep back because the sheep was unable to carry themselves back. That he brought the sheep back and rejoiced. The text says about the woman that lost her coin, how she let everybody know, I found it. What was lost is now found. Jesus says how the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repenting. I want you to understand here that God rejoices over one. That's how important you are. There's somebody out there that needs to know that you are so important that God is waiting with your and they will say, what kind of party of redemption, party of forgiveness, party that's is, is excited about born again. You celebrate your birthday, you celebrate when you're being born Do you celebrate being born again? Do you celebrate when you came to know the Lord as a personal Savior? Do you remember how good it feels the first time you believe? Take me back. Back there, Lord, when I first. <laughs> mm. So to know joy of our salvation that we were once dead, now turn back to God. So that He's come that we might have life and life more abundantly. Come to Him, one that the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Yet God says that. Is a way the truth and the light. No man gets the power but through him. There might be someone that we need to see our lives. They don't see the direction going. Point to God, them to God, and saying that God loves you. He cares for you. Accept what He's already forgiven. Mercy, His grace. And you rejoice in His presence. Because he's already rejoicing. Angels are already rejoicing over one sinner repenting. So let us make sure that though we know Christ and we love him and serve him, that we continuously stay humble, stay low before him. All his glory. Let us pray. For great is your faithfulness, great is your mercy, great is your love. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you never give up on us. Even in times we're headed in the wrong direction, we're walking and talking and living a life that's not bringing glory and honor unto you. Thank you that you desire and that we turn back to you who are faithful and to cleanse of all righteousness and restore us in a right relationship back with you. So, Father, search our hearts, search our minds right now. Lord, there might be someone that doesn't know you that's looking for you, that you will guide them and direct. To a Bible, 
confess with their mouth, believe in their heart. Christ died on the cross for the sin, defeated death by rising from the grave. And may they the power of the life of you. And Father, help us to no longer, no longer live in us, resurrect us, we can now live. In Jesus Christ, pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us, man. To go line, Amen. You to give your time offering to all. And those of man, deacons and trustees, amen. our God, us pray. God, we're just thankful. The opportunity with all don't see you. We ask you to bless it and increase it for your honor, Lord. We man, thank you so much for joining us. Meet again.